Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 163. I am your host, Blaine Pudvay. I'm joined now by my co-host, Shreg Wilson. Good evening. And the Zoomy himself, Matt Wilson. Matt, Matt Wilson. Wilson? Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> I've, uh, I've been drinking, so there you go. <laughs> so Matt Smith, my co-host, how are you doing? I'm great. Just getting off work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting off of polishing off a bottle of vodka. So there you go. I figured I'm going to just do this show as the referees have done the games. Clearly not of the right mind. (laughs) Who's talking about? I was, I was just saying that was a, that was a tight, that was a tightly called game last night. Huh? What? Who? I thought, (laughs) I thought that was a perfectly called game last night. Sure. But uh, yeah, no, I, I polished off a bottle of that uh, lemonade flavored vodka that, uh, remember we were sharing that when we were down in Dallas? Eddie, the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Found a bottle of that here in Halifax and I figured, let's see what happens. Yeah, we were drinking that at the hotel. Yeah, we Our were. Our hotel, the one we were staying in. Yeah, by the pool. By the pool, yeah. Yeah. And it went down just as easy as it did by the pool. Except for when you went into the lobby and all those eyeballs were looking at you. That was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, that hipster hotel was some weird. It was. <laughs> <clears throat> and that was the uh, that was the 2018 draft when Romanov and Kotkaniemi were picked. Great. So there you go. All right. So for this episode, clearly we're going to be recapping uh, game three. Uh, we're going to have some, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion on NHL officiating. But we're going to start it off with the news about Dominique Chow. So Chris Johnson has uh, reported that 
the Canadians interim head coach, Dominic Schaub, is going to be in isolation for 14 days before he's eligible to rejoin the team. So that would put him to July 2nd, which if the Canadians take this series to game seven, find a way to win it and make it to the cup final, he would not be available to the team until about a week later. So that would be likely game three or four of a Stanley cup final. So that means the temporary interim interim head coach, uh, Luke Richardson will, uh, will be taking over in the meantime. So we'll start with uh, Treg Smith and uh, <laughs> with your thoughts. Um, now that's from Chris Johnson. There's been nothing official out of Montreal right yet. No, nothing official yet on it but i mean johnson's usually has good information so it's not like he's uh just throwing shit in a fan but uh ah, i think this is gonna hurt the team i think uh, nothing against luke richardson um but to i think uh he knew how to adapt in game he knew how to you know not only adapt but it's almost like he had plan a b c and q and he all had them all wrapped up to go. Um, you could tell with Richardson and uh, last night's game, they were very slow coming out of the gate. Um, and they, uh, however, the third period, they found they found their game and they got lucky. But, uh, and again, this is nothing against Luke Richardson, uh, but uh, I think the Habs are going to be behind the eight ball without their head coach until – halfway if they make it to halfway through the Stanley Cup final basically what about you Matt well certainly not going to be easy with your uh with your head coach or interim head coach or whatever you want to call him uh out and, and you're right Trey it's Ducharme's a guy that can can make changes on the fly and he can uh he can he can he can adapt to whatever situation is uh, is thrown forward the good thing is though all these other coaches, they practice with the team and they're with the, they're in there with them. They know, obviously they know the systems, et cetera. And so do the players. So we saw that last night, we, like the, 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 it was still there. They were very, very, very slow. And one could argue that they were heavily outplayed for the majority of the game, but you know, they found a way to win and, you know, kudos to um, Richardson. He didn't start putting lines in the blender and, you know, and over time you saw a couple of guys not really see much ice time and you saw a lot of Corey Perry and, you know, a little less of this player and a little less of that player. But I think that in a final situation, obviously this would be, this would be very bad, but um, we'll see, we'll see the rest of the series goes right now. The, uh, the team has that determination and, uh, they're playing that role of underdog and they get a two, one series lead. So I'll give it, I'll give it to him. You know, he got his first career NHL win in a semifinals of uh semifinals and overtime. So good on him. Well, there's nothing saying that uh, Ducharme can't still be in contact because they did talk about it before the game yeah. that he was on zoom calls with the team, yeah. with the coaching staff. So there's, I mean, he he's in isolation, but he could still be, watching the games he can still be in the ears of the uh, the assistant coaches up in the gondolas you know yeah. and they could be exchanging ideas that's right we'll, we'll that's radio right. it down that's so right. he's obviously not it's not the same as the, 
yeah yeah it's not the same but he's still no there. it's not it's not the same but he's not completely out of the loop either he could be kept yeah. in the loop he could he could still have input um i mean it's not like luke, luke richardson is without any experience either that's right he was a head coach in the ahl he's done he's got uh, international experience he's been an assistant coach for years and years and years yeah. and he and the other the rest of the coaching staff know the players on hand so it's no, it's definitely not ideal it's definitely not ideal and uh this this now makes it four different head coaches for the montreal Canadiens in the last two playoffs to actually coach behind the bench and win a game yep. so this that's that's unheard of that's pretty incredible so um hopefully it turns out to be a false positive and he can come out sooner i know santé quebec has a 10-day isolation so the 14 days may not be uh, set in stone but for now as we record on saturday evening the 19th of january of uh, june um that that's the the expected is a 14 day so Richardson, sucks, but... Richardson did say in his presser today that they were doing extensive, in-depth, more in-depth tests on his uh, COVID positive yeah. tests, I guess. So whatever that means. Yeah, probably a different know. type of testing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. So hopefully he's back and he's, uh, he's back soon. Uh, another piece of Canadians news as of today, uh, Lucas Videmo has signed a one-year two-way extension. So it's uh, $750,000 at the NHL level and about $250,000 at the AHL level. Uh, this makes him eligible for the Seattle expansion draft. So the Canadians have to have a certain number of available forwards and having him signed and available ha- helps him meet that requirement. He's also a pretty decent uh, centerman who is on the bubble for making the NHL squad next season. I played a few games last year. Yep. He didn't look out of place. Now right. I have a question. Yeah. If you're on LTIR, are you, do you have to be protected in the draft or not? Yes. Yes. Okay. They could, uh, they could technically select a UFA. Well, I, I know that, but I'm they just wondering. Select if... LTIR, UFA. It's up okay. to them. It's completely up to them. Anybody that's on your roster and is not protected is up for grabs. So if you don't want to lose a player such as Jonathan Drouin, he has to be protected. Yeah. yeah the other thing, the the only thing, thing is if a player like that's picked, they would just have to pass all the medical protocols and stuff yeah. like that, just like anybody else, any other trade, right? Yeah. No, no I was just, didn't, I didn't it's know. less likely, but yeah, they can't pick them. And if they want to pick Philippe uh, um, <clears throat> Deneau, who's a UFA, they could go right ahead. Um, I mean, a guy who finishes, uh, was it sixth, sixth in the uh, Selkie yeah. votes? Yeah. Uh, he would be a pretty attractive piece to, to pick up. So, uh, all right. So that's uh, that cleans up a little bit of the news and notes around the Canadians. Um, we're going to dive into the officiating now so yesterday before the game uh the Habs unfiltered account on 
all the different social media platforms was making memes and making fun of the fact that Chris Lee was officiating the game. And anybody who's watched a Montreal Canadiens game in the last 15 years knows why. Because Chris Lee is a horrible, horrible referee. And it seems to come out even more so when the Canadians are playing. Does anyone remember that, uh, that game in Carolina about, I'd say about eight years ago, where he called 11 straight penalties on the Canadians? The Niskin high stick to Gallagher. Uh, he was one of the officiators too. That was uh, two years ago in the play. When was that? Last, 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 last year, the playoffs. Busted yeah. his jaw. Yeah. 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 Okay. And of course, the uh, the massive non call on uh, on Corey Perry last night. I don't. I don't, so, don't know how that got missed. Oh, I do. You know oh, what I mean? Suck. Like, I do for sure. They all suck. They you know what I mean? Like, it. like he got up, he got up, and like it was clear as day that he's leaking from his nose, like very bad. I mean, how how does <clears throat> how do four officials yeah. miss the play that caused that injury to happen? Yeah. Because when the puck was literally at his face, yeah. which is the reason why it happened. So, are you not watching the play? Did uh, did somebody flash their boobs from the stance and you were watching that instead? Like it, that would work it, for me. I would be well, distracted on that. Yeah, but come on, all four because alignment a linesman can call that play dead. So you're telling me that both linesmen and both referees saw nothing. I think, man, I'm sorry, but. Even before that happened, the officiating that game was terrible. It was, it was really bad. The whole night was trash. Night. I mean, um, Armia's penalty for was giving not a penalty. It, it was no. just it was a, a check. Hit from the side. It was just checking the, the boards. Yeah. Uh, uh, caught Yemi's penalty. He literally yeah. got his stick on the stick and lifted his stick. Never even yeah. touched his hand. And then the second one, he Patch Ready held on to it. Yeah. Which okay, oh. with that one though, I, can I would see call why that, that was called. Yeah, I can see, see why that. it was called because where where the referee was placed, he's he's on the other side of Patcheretti. Mm. He doesn't see Patcheretti holding the stick. All he sees is Kotkaniemi reaching in. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that being called. But that there's so many non-calls, like the um, the McNabb cross check on uh, Lekkinen, which turned into a partial breakaway. Like if that was. That's a clear cross check from behind, which created a scoring chance. I mean, if you're not going to call, I don't have a problem not calling things, but you have to call the ones where there's an injury on the play. Some, if there's bleeding <laughs> or if it leads to a scoring chance, you have to call those. I don't care what part, uh, what part of the game it's at. Those are the ones you have to call in the playoffs. The rest. Sure. Let them be. I, yeah. And we're not the only ones being critical about this. Like it's all over ooh. social media. It's all <laughs> over. Like uh, Craig Button was on TSN in the morning and he said that it was the uh, worst officiated game he's seen in these playoffs. Yes. Eric Engels said, honestly, this is some of the worst officiating I've ever seen in a game. It's the Stanley cup semifinal. Yeah. Stu Cowan said the NHL should really be embarrassed by its officiating. This is so bad. And Ken Campbell 
from uh, he's he's notoriously tight-lipped on uh, officiating. Came out and said after tonight's performance, Chris Lee and Dan O'Rourke can't possibly get another playoff game, can they? Even uh, Renaud Lavoie on TVA went on a rant for 20 minutes in the post game. Like it was that bad. Everybody from Leaf fan to like it. And it's not just, it's not just the series either. It's not just the Canadian series. It's not just the Canadian series. So let's make that very clear. Right. So it's, it's across the board in every playoff series that has been played so far this season. Uh, the officiating has been suspect. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable how bad it's actually been. But when you get to the semifinals, it, it becomes glaringly obvious. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to be clear for our listeners, the officiating is not the reason why the Canadians would have been uh, in the lead or behind or playing poorly or any That's of right. it. That's right. That is, it's a completely separate argument. We're going to get into why the Canadians sucked for the first half of the game later on. But this is the, the part of the officiating. And honestly, like between us, when we were, before the game started, we were DMing each other on Twitter. And I said, watch this. Chris Lee's roughing. It's going to be six to one Vegas power plays to Montreal's. Yeah. And it wasn't that far off, was it? No, it was four to two or five, two or something like that. Yeah. Four, two. But when you add in all the blatant non-calls, it becomes even more. Yeah. Uh, it just it just becomes worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed though. Uh, after the Corey Perry high stick, the first stoppage in play, the uh, the supervising official was in the timekeeper's box and called the officials over. And he was playing hydraulic pokey chest, just giving them the gears. You could tell he was yelling at them and he was actually pointing and poking chests. So we can guess what was being said, but I'm going to come out and just say he was, he looked pissed and he was probably shitting all over them for doing such a horrible job on that call. I I didn't notice that to be honest with you, but uh the referees have to be, and I mean, we're, we're talking about the Montreal game, but the refereeing all season yeah. has been terrible. It's just, it's just, it's becoming a joke of a league when it comes to refereeing. Nobody knows what to call anymore. No one knows, you know, what to do. Uh, this guy cross checks that guy in front of that is not a penalty. And then you do a little slight push over there by the red line. It's a penalty. So, or a $5,000 um, fine or a $5,000 fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you have uh, that one referee who was blatantly said he was going to make a makeup call. He was got caught on the hot mic, so just kind of threw out that, hey, we make makeup calls that everyone already knew anyway, but it's not Pretty supposed clear. to happen. You're just supposed to call the game how it plays. If one team is getting 40 penalties because they deserve 40 penalties, well, you don't have to give the other team a penalty because he gave this team five. It's not this team's fault that this team's undisciplined. Um, but, uh, I mean, we, we go on about Chris Lee, but there's two refs at the game. So, I mean, what Dan O'Rourke oh, screwed that pooch too. Dan, Dan O'Rourke was there too. So we can't, I mean, Chris Lee's just notorious for 
giving the team whoever plays Montreal more power plays. But uh, uh, there's <clears throat> there's actually a tweet with all the info on Chris Lee versus the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, uh, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. I think what he it, what it was. Uh, Chris Lee provides 25 percent more power plays to the Montreal Canadiens opponents than any other team. Yeah, or any other referee for uh, versus the Canadians. Yeah, and then this, some other team is right behind him at seventeen percent. I forget yeah. what time it is. Philadelphia, I think. Phil- yes, Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just. I mean, the refereeing in the NHL, like as a whole, is just. It's just terrible. It's and, and who? Why are they not accountable for this? Yes, I do get. So only certain refs make playoffs, which means more money. Only, you know, the deeper the playoffs go, only certain refs get chosen. I know COVID made it difficult because you had to group them to a certain division and they stayed in that division. But, uh, man, they got to be held accountable. Like, there got to be more to it. Like, uh, someone brought up uh, what one of the other leagues does, and that's what it is if you mess up then you get sent down to the minors. It's like, you say, all right, listen, you're not cracking it here in the NHL. If you, you're missing these calls, you're not, you're not refing a good game, you're going to the AHL. Yeah. You'll have to ref in there for a while and work your way back up. Or fines or suspensions or, you know, Corey Perry lost his nose and you guys didn't do anything. Well, I'm sorry, you're done. You're not playing. There's no more games for you. I, I honestly do believe that uh, Chris Lee and Dan O'Rourke should not be officiating any more games in these playoffs based on their their performance in that game last night. I don't know how Chris Lee was in the semifinals to begin with. But, oh, he's uh, a terrible referee. He, he's he's horrible. I mean, personally, the only referee I think is any good is Wes McCauley. But anyway, but uh, people may uh, people don't like him, but I I really do because. He's consistent. He calls and, the game that's a mean. certain way, and he just sticks to that. And he's and I respect it. <laughs> um, uh, what's the other one that is uh, Skirid, whatever his name is, uh, Greg Skirid? Skirid. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. He didn't make round. it, but but he didn't make it because he's not that very good of a ref. Yeah, I think right? he's going to make so, it now. I mean... <laughs> well, what what do you guys think about um, a part of the? Um, uh, part of accountability, having the officials having to answer to the press on occasion. Like in the NFL, when they screw up royally, they actually get hauled in in front of the media and they get, they get peppered with questions. So why not the same here? I think it, I'm sorry, Matt, did you want to talk? Oh, I'm talking about here. I was go just going to say, I think even if you don't throw them in front of the, the press, coaches and GMs should be allowed to say, that the officiating was terrible. They should be allowed to sit without fear of getting fined, without fear of whatever. They should be allowed to sit there and say, this was bullshit, right? And this got to be better. This got to step up. I mean, Montreal has been involved in these playoffs in this season in some really bad officiating. And they pretty much kept their mouth shut. Caught Yemi, said a clear and day. I'd like to answer that question, but you all know what's going to happen if I do. Because he got fined once already. Correct. Because he spoke his mind. Because he spoke his mind, and he spoke yeah. what he thought. And that's all it is. If they're whether they're right or wrong about it, obviously something happened for them to have that opinion. 
So let, let the coaches and players say how they feel about the officiating. And maybe that puts a little bit more accountability on the refs. What about you, Matt? I agree. I, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think a team should be uh, singled out or fined as much as what they are for calling out gaffes in a game or calling out something that, you know, affected a team's performance or affected a team's win. I don't really think it's fair to the, uh, to the players or the organization when you, especially if it's, if it's blatant. Yeah. Now I uh, personally, I think what would have been a, a, a really good thing to do would be to just Jeff Molson walk down, hand $25,000 in a big wad of cash to, uh, to say, uh, Weber or, uh, or Gallagher. And then during the press conference, they just walk up, put the stack of cash in front of them, push it forward and say, that's for you, NHL. Here's what I think. And he's like, 25,000 is going to feel like 2,500. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the GM does the same thing. Stack of cash sitting in front of him. To, Here's what I think. And then Jeff Molson just turns around big, big uh, briefcase full of money. <laughs> Here's my fine money. Here's what I think. You know, it, you're a rich organization. And at some point, the behind the scenes, hey, Bettman, what's going on, isn't working. Because yeah. that, was, that was embarrassing. It's so bad that uh, people actually think there's a conspiracy out there that Bettman wants certain teams in the finals and that. That's why the refing. That's why yeah, the refing's the way it is. But it's it's not. They're just bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe there's a conspiracy, but that is out there. That is literally memes are going crazy with Batman calling. You know, the one with Batman calls the ref and he has the Golden Knights helmet on. He goes, "Hey, quit <laughs> making it so obvious." <laughs> right. So, yeah, uh, it's it's terrible, and it's been terrible all year, and not just against the Canadians, against every team. True. Okay, so we've, uh, we've ranted, we've raved. <clears throat> our fines to the NHL have been sent in. Uh, NHL, uh, we're paying our fines in pennies, so uh, get ready. Uh, we're going to move on. 10 from... penny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going to move on from that, and we're going to start talking about the game itself. So game three, game three is a pivotal game in any series, especially when uh, the Canadians came out with a split in Vegas. So you come back home, you've, you've wrestled the way home ice advantage. This is the point where you have to press it forward. And game two started with a whimper. Normally the Canadians come out flying. In this one, they were turkeys. Oh my God, it was horrible. Horrible. So uh, Matt, you've been stoic. Tell us, tell us, oh, great one. You know what? The Canadians just really didn't come out with any life to start the game. And that kind of continued throughout. And it seemed that any time that they did start playing with any little bit of life or they got any chances, there was a penalty called. And then all that, then all that energy kind of went away. Um, for a team that was outshot 30 to eight at the end of the second period, you would really think that, you know, the other team would have a three, four goal lead. Props to Carey Price for the saves that he made. I found that um, a lot of the saves that he had to make weren't high danger. There were quite a few that were. But the majority, we saw that the Canadians made a little bit of an adjustment. 
instead of and instead of hey everyone crowd around the net where price can't see it we'll put one guy there you box everyone else push out and price might have to see around one defender instead of everybody and we saw that throughout the game and and, and it worked out for them in terms of people that needed to have a big performance i think josh anderson chose the right time to have a breakthrough performance it was it was something that we've been talking about and a guy that we were thinking is this guy injured is he this is he this what's going on some people were even saying you know take him out and put tatar in or put anybody else in etc but um for for him to score on a gaff and a lot of people are saying that's what it is and that's what exactly what it was everyone remember Eric Stahl served up a goal to Nicola Roy. Yeah, I wanted to get on that one. So, there. so you know what? That's a well. Let's just say that's a trade-off. But you got to remember, Anderson beat an icing, put pressure on Flurry. Flurry bobbled the puck, and we got a tie game with less than two minutes left. If you're watching the play in the replays again, and I'm sure people will again because. That, uh, that play is going to live in infamy for quite a while. Uh, but it was nice to see a, a Quebecois help the Canadians for a change. Um, but if you watch the play develop, the Canadians have three forwards coming in on the forecheck, and there's no Vegas defenders. They're ahead of the Vegas defense. So he's got, a def- uh, he's got four checkers coming in from both sides and one to the front of the net. So he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And the puck takes a, a strange little bit of a bounce because, you know, nearing the end of the period, there's some snow back there, hits something, you, you know how it goes. And he bobbled it. But that, that's all based on the pressure. Right. Now, Stahl's mistake was not based on pressure. You, you can see it and uh, you watch the replay again. The, the Canadians had that adjustment where they're trying to clear their, their zone by making passes up the middle now. Uh, something that goes counterintuitive to most players, but you see what he's trying to do. He sees Perry up high. He's trying to hit Perry with that pass. What he doesn't see is Roy cutting through who intercepts that and just in the perfect spot at the perfect time, tape to tape, beautiful pass by Stahl, I might add, and Roy buries it. So yeah, that that's a massive freaking banana on Stahl's part, and you can tell on the bench he was pissed off about it. You can tell on the play he was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't even in the back of the net yet. And he just, his yeah. head was already down, right? Yeah. So he knew, and, what was, and, he knew what was coming. And you don't blame him for that. I mean, I don't blame him for being upset. He knows he screwed up. We're not going to crap on him for that. But it was a mistake. And Fleury's mistake, he knows was a mistake. He was, he was trying to break his stick. He couldn't even do, break his stick after the play. Um, so yeah, the two cancel each other out. So it still ends up being a tie game either way. All yeah, because of Carey Price. Yeah. Well, wow. like I said, he made some big saves, but like back, back on to Anderson's really quick. Yeah. He said, this was his best game uh, of these playoffs. And, um, you know, get a couple goals. He had four or five hits. 
he was, uh, he was no, he was their most noticeable forward. He really was. And um, before I pass it off to one of you guys, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the chemistry between Suzuki and Caulfield. It's really starting to uh, be more apparent. Let's just say that in the, that, that pass that he made to Caulfield to, uh, to tie the game up soon after that uh, stall gaff, let's just call it that um, he's gaining confidence every, every day and looking forward to seeing what this kid can do and what these two can do together if paired together for a full season. Well, they're reading off each other extremely well. That, uh, that yep. goal, uh, Suzuki makes the block. Yep. Caulfield sees that he has control of the puck and he knows what's going to happen. So he just, yep. he blows the zone. Yep. Caulfield and, needs a player like Suzuki that can get him the puck. And yeah. at the same time, Suzuki needs a player like Caulfield that's going to get rid of that puck. They can read because they read off each other so well. They're both very smart hockey players Absolutely. and they read off each other so well that they can see a play developing in their mind's eye before it happens. It's, it's uncanny how well these two do together. Now I, I, yeah, you mentioned the 30 to eight shot differential by second, by the end of the second. And it's true. It's true. The Canadians would not be in that game if not for Carey price and the age old argument the Canadians are only winning because of Carey Price. Carey Price is the only reason they're winning. And to, to that, I say, isn't it nice that the highest paid player on a team is the actual best player on a team and doing what it takes to win? Yeah. So from the third period on, Montreal outshot them. Yes. They outplayed them. They outshot them. They took it to them. And you know what? They it, it did like. I, I got, I got some, I got some, uh, I got some shit thrown at me at work today and saying, Oh, your team got lucky, your team, this, your team, that, you know, I, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many high scoring, da- high danger chances you had. It doesn't matter how many scoring chances you had. It doesn't matter anything really. At the end of the day, Vegas played hard, but they didn't, they didn't complete the game. Right, Montreal found a way to win. Whatever the hell they did, they they did what they had to do to win the game, and they got a two they got a two one series lead. That's all that matters at the end of the day. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired. I, I was for years. We we went on about oh moral victory this, moral victory that. Oh, we outplayed them, but we lost. Yeah. <clears throat> at some point, you just want the team to win, and right. the good teams find a way to win yeah. no matter what. And yeah. that's how good teams do it. They're yeah. not going to be pretty every single game, but they that's find right. a way. But people now are getting pissy saying, well, they didn't deserve to win. It's like, well, how often can we say that about any team? It doesn't matter if they deserve to win. Montreal had, I'll say it right now, Montreal had no business even being anywhere near the winning of that game. Exactly. Absolutely. But they found a way. And at the end of the day, they but that doesn't, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't sure. matter if you deserve to win the game or not. You won the game. It's not about moral victories. It's about no. actual victories. And nobody, nobody, if their team was doing it, would turn around and say, well, we didn't deserve to win that game. Exactly. We shouldn't have won that game. I don't have an issue saying that. I can say last night, Montreal, actually, I'm not going to say they didn't deserve. 
because they won. So obviously they did. But Montreal, after the first two periods, I think I tweeted, Montreal has no business being anywhere near this game, yet here we are going into the third tide. Right? And uh, that just goes to show that how good Montreal really is. Even when they play a terrible, terrible game, they're not getting blown out. They're not behind. Like, they're not, you know, they're – I mean, it could have easily, if, if it wasn't for Carey Price, and I'm, I'm sorry, Toronto fans and all you other – and Edmonton fans and all you guys who, oh, Carey Price is your only reason. Yep, he's our only reason, and I don't really don't give a shit what you think about that because maybe if you're a 10.5, 11, $12, 13000000 million player, if maybe if your, play, your team's players rode his back to the Stanley Cup Finals, you'd know what it's like to have a, you know, have an actual star lead your team. Well, Kerry Price did his job. He, his job is to exactly. keep the team in the game. He kept them in the game. And for years, we've been, I've been saying the Canadians haven't had a player who can change a game with a single shot. And then in comes Caulfield. The Canadians were out of that game. Price was holding them in. And then Caulfield with one shot, one chance, changed the face of the game. They gave up a goal not even a minute before. And the first chance he gets, it's in the back of the net. And uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, and another thing you say, Price did not get Caulfield, did not spring Caulfield on a breakaway. <clears throat> Price did not uh, beat out at icing so that they could score the game tying goal at the end of the game. And uh, Price did not uh, hit the stick out of the air, pass it over to the other players so they could pass it back to Price and put it in the net. So... Yeah, Price wins his hockey games. Price doesn't win his hockey games. Price makes sure, makes sure that the hockey game is a winnable game. That's what Price does. Yeah, and he did his job. Yep. And I'll pay $10.5 million to win the Stanley Cup. Thanks. I, I, I really don't care. No. They're two games away from making it to the Cup Final. And honestly, it's happening because Price is doing what he's paid to do. And the team is starting to put some goals into the net. They've from all, from all from every line. Yeah, yeah, and, and scoring has been an issue with this team for many years, and this year they're just finding a way to get some goals. Like they had eight shots in the first two periods of play, and then how many did they have in the next two? Well, one and a half. Uh, Seventeen. They yeah, 17. 17. 13 and 4, I think. So 17. Yeah. So. But they only allowed. Uh, uh, it was shit, 15. Man, it was 19. It. it was 19. Yeah, 19. Yeah. yeah, they allowed 15 shots. And against. they allowed 15 shots against. Yeah. yeah. So they stepped up their play. They, they uh, at the end of the second period, they were down 2 1. And then they found a way. Yes, Fleury screwed up, but so did Stahl. So those two should negate each other, if you think about it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just glad to see the Forum Ghosts have, <laughs> have started to find their way over to the Bell Center. And, and this will be the third series in a row that the top players of the opposing team are not getting on the score sheet. Um. Other than, other than, well, forwards, forwards, yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like Stone and Pacioretty, 
Petretti got his first point of the series last night in the assist on Petrangelo. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think Stone has a point yet, does he? He's got a, he he's got one assist. Yeah, unless he got it in the first game there, yeah. Um so that's kudos to I would say Dano, Gallagher, and Lackanen, who usually play against those three. Um so I, I just love how the team's buying in this whole team effort. Like they're just it's they're buying into the system and it's working and uh, shame on me for thinking that uh, Ducharme was a terrible choice and should be fired at the end of the season. Well, uh, cause, cause that's yeah. what I thought after the regular season. Sorry. It's all about results, right? And last night's result was uh, Dano was over 70% in the faceoff circle. So that made a massive difference when it came to defending those set plays off the faceoffs. We, we noticed that uh, that Vegas just couldn't get those going. And it had a lot to do with winning those face-offs. Not to mention, they finally figured out how to attack the defenders off the face-off and take away that time and space. Yeah, that, that third game, they really did a good job of that. Yeah, they <laughs> they gave up way too much zone, uh, zone space to uh, to Vegas in the first two periods. I mean, Vegas trapped the hell out of them in the first two periods, just utterly trapped them anytime either blue line. They got uh, the Canadians were just shut down. It, it, honestly, it was an impressive job by Vegas, but in the third, the Canadians started using their speed a little bit more, a little bit of a chip. It wasn't more of a chip and chase. It was more of a, a placement. They would place the puck just ahead. It's like they were trying to chip it just ahead of the defender so that the winger could use his his speed. I mean, Anderson, how many times did you see Anderson doing his patent come down the line and break in front of the net for the goal? I mean, I thought yeah. I, I thought that was one. I thought Armia had a strong game. I thought Anderson had a strong game. Uh, Lekkinen, of course, Suzuki Caulfield. I mean, that that Suzuki Caulfield to Foley line, I think, is going to be the next big line for the Canadians. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, I want to say what a terrible game they played, but the way it ended, you can't. You just can't say it. You just can't. You can't. It was, it was a horrible, <laughs> like, horrible first two periods. Yeah, and and I, I don't understand these reporters who are asking De Bo- uh, DeBoer, oh, you guys played great for 58 minutes. Well, what are you talking about played great for 58 minutes? They played great for 40 minutes, and that was it. But they discount because they went to the two minutes for the goal. They didn't score their goal to the two minutes. But, but I mean, I don't know. It, it. I am so confident now in Montreal that I just don't know what to say. Like, I have no doubt they're going to win the series. Well, it has a lot to do with the fact that they're winning game. They they're winning games with their pretty play. They're winning games ugly. They're just finding a way to win. They're t- they're uh, they're now what ten and one in their last eleven, something like that. Or they're nine and one in their last ten. Nine and one. Nine, in their last nine 10. and one last ten. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Carey Price is he's batting a nine uh, what is a nine thirty seven in those games or nine forty five something in uh, along like those that. lines, yeah. letting in less than a go- uh, two goals per game. Right now in the playoffs, he's got a 932 save percentage. Overall, yeah. yeah overall. But in the last 10 games, it's a little bit better than that. Yeah. So I since, think he only had the one sub-hub, sub-900 game, and that was the first game against Vegas. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
the whole team came out flat on that one. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not just price, but and even in that one game where they lost four one to Vegas, it was the set plays off the faceoffs that made the difference in that game. There was that one uh, that yeah they had one goal that wasn't a set play off a faceoff. The goal a minute after the Caulfield goal is what pretty much put the dagger in the heart of the team. The McNabb goal. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, sure. But again, it was a set play off a faceoff that McNabb put into the net. So, I mean, it, it was off an icing. Um, but they, they learned, they adjusted to it. They learned from it because you look at game three and the forwards played up in the defenseman. They tried to do yeah. their play and then they changed it to have their winger come over for the draw, to try to come into the slot. And then they adjusted to that. So <laughs> what can you say? Like this team is just being well coached period. Like the, and, and, and they're, and they're, they're adjusting to the system and they're uh, engaged. Like the team is so engaged. They want to win this. Like it's, Feels like 93. A little bit. Now, <laughs> Vegas Vegas tried an adjustment themselves. They put uh, they put um, Tuck at the center between Pacioretty and Stone. And it's, it, it worked out pretty well for the first two periods. Uh, Tuck and Stone were fairly physical. We know that Pacioretty is not. Um, he's just big. But Pacioretty went into the right spots. Stone and Tuck were doing their jobs, especially Tuck. Tuck was always, always finishing his check. And it was, it was paying off for them. The problem was that it opened up their bottom six. And it provided an opportunity for Kotkaniemi's line to be more valued. And we saw how Anderson's play looked a lot better. There's, it was easier for him to do what he wanted to do because Tuck wasn't on that line anymore to defend. And Tuck was clearly the better player in that bottom six. So it opened up a little bit of a space. And Kotkaniemi looked a little bit better as the game wore on. And that, uh, that overtime play where Anderson knocked the puck down was all from Kotkaniemi. So it paid off to start, but it, at the end, it just it, it opened up another hole for Vegas. And the Canadians, with the adjustments that they made between the second and third, it paid off. I also want to say on that play, good play by Petrie, realizing the line change was coming to get that puck up to cut quickly up to Cotton Hemi. Yeah, which, you which can is hear missed. Him. It's yeah. kind of missed on the on the replay. On the, yeah. And you can hear Petrie yelling line change. Mm-hmm. So that that notified him that there was more open ice. So yeah. it, great great veteran heads up leadership, great communication. And that it was a really well thought out play by Kotkaniemi to get the puck up there too. And Anderson on the line change himself coming off a line change stayed on side. Like that, that wasn't an easy thing to do to knock down the puck and stay on side. And Byron who two games before I said should be replaced by Tatar because what the hell had he done in the 12 games prior? Not much, but that one play right there, he proved me wrong. Uh, I'll go up and eat some crow later. He had a good game. He was, about, yeah. he was probably on a physical standpoint, you know, 
probably second smallest player in the team, and he uh, he led the uh, he led the team in hits last night, and it, they were noticeable. So good on him. He plays a hell of a lot bigger than his uh, than his size indicates, that's for sure. I I, I thought that whole line. I thought Cottonemi. Cottonemi um, was winning some board battles. I thought he he was kind of up and down that game. Like he he needed that assist yeah. at the end of the game. But he looked good at times, and then he didn't look all that great. Then he looked good, and then but then at the third period on and into overtime, I thought Cottonemi played strong. I, I I thought the whole team played strong from the third period on. See, I'm not going to crap on Cottonemi too much for the start of the game because <clears throat> he wasn't the only one that looked like crap. In oh, the, first the whole two team. Periods. The whole team yeah. did. The whole team did. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but he he stepped it up, and I'll point out that that is now a two game point streak for him. He's got assists in two straight games. And five game point streak for Cole Caulfield. Not bad. Not and, bad. And Tafoli's eight game point streak came to an end and he finished his second all time longest point streak in the playoffs behind Guy Lafleur and Larry Robinson, who had nine game point streaks. Yeah, who are those guys? Just Hall of Famers with a bunch of cup rings. They're no Tyler Tafoli. <laughs> No, the, what this team is doing so far, <clears throat> I mean, this is a special run. This is what uh, this is what's going to earn this team some fans from the youth. You know, younger uh, younger fans when they're watching the games, they tend to cheer for the better teams anyway. They don't have an allegiance, but this is going to it's going to help add some more youth into the fan base. Because it might help it attract some, it might help attract some free agents too. Oh, 100 percent Now Bergevin has to not do what he did in 2014 or 15 after the run. And he has to improve upon this. But that that's another discussion. That yeah, that's for a later show. This mm-hmm. there's not much that can be done between uh, up to that point. There's going to be a lot of ground to cover after this playoff is done. We've got expansion draft, entry draft, UFAs. Uh, There's got to be UFAs and RFAs to resign. All of that's going to come after. Right now, the Canadians are on a special playoff run. And it it does not feel like it did in 2014 when they made the the conference finals. That one there, it was, you know, Price got hurt. And then after that, you just kind of felt the the whole – all the feel, everything deflated after that, but this one, after winning an ugly game, fans are actually upbeat. Well, it's like I said, I'm confident. Like I'm confident yeah. this team can beat anyone. Like they could win. I'm confident they could win the cup. I'm not saying they will. Don't take this out of. I'm not sitting there saying, but I'm Rick confident. Wilson just said the Canadians are winning the cup. But I'm confident that this team can get by Vegas, which I was before the series started but I'm even more confident now. And I'm confident that it doesn't matter if they play Tampa or the Islanders. I think they could, they could do it. I really do. Matt, do you think it's because uh, Carey Price is in their heads? Could be part of it. I think it was more so, it was more evident in the Leafs, in the Leafs series and in the Winnipeg series. If he continues to play the way that he is, then yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be more of a factor, but We've seen him make some big saves, but uh, you know he let up. He let up a weak one yesterday. 
right? I don't know how weak that was. I mean, yeah, he could have had that, but it was a... To to his standard, he probably should have. Yeah, but it was a very well-placed shot. It was. But it was still a stoppable shot. For him. For for him, yeah. I mean, I guess you look at it this way. How does he make this save, this save, this save, this save, this save, where he had no business making the save, but that one goes in? That, I guess that's how you got to look at it. I agree with you, Blaine. Like, was it really that weak of a shot? Mm, it was a well-placed shot. Kelly Rudy even said it's really hard to make that save just above your pad from the way you have to move your, your the blocker over. It's really hard to, to make that save. And uh, But I think the average fan will look at that and go, how is he doing this? And then that goes in. Yeah, because you got to see how does how does a human body move, and where that shot was placed, and how he was already moving across. How does he move his body to to adjust to make that save? Like it, it it was just so well placed of a shot. I don't think it was on purpose that he got the shot there. It just ended up there, and yeah, and I can I can see why most people would say, "Oh my God, what a weak goal," but if you watch it again. You can see why. I, I still say, though, it's stoppable. I still say it's for Carey Price, that's, uh, that's a stoppable goal. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All the other saves he's made, uh, I'm not going to be too upset about one goal like that. He needs to be traded now. He's over the hill. We, you know what? He's overpaid. He's too old. Trade him now for Marc-Andre Fleury. He should waive his no-move clause so he can go back home with his wife to Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Be done with it. He can be an extra on Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) Get all the free Starbucks he wants. Dr. Hunter. Dr. Hunter. Wonder how many fans I just got from uh, for saying a Grey's Anatomy reference on here. (laughs) Uh, But just so you know, there's a there's a. a picture going around where it shows Pacioretty looking at Price and it's like Price is saying something to him. So I found out what he said. Now, I don't know if this is your, true. How's your wife and my kids? <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but apparently someone asked Pacioretty what Price was saying to him. And he said, all he said was Skoda. Now Skoda is Ojibwe for uh, bring it or something, you know, something it's, to that. Isn't to that, that the effect. name of the car that they put in the double IHF corner there? Yes, but. I, I don't know. That's if you're talking Swedish or whatever the hell it is. Uh-huh. Talking over there. I don't know. Skoden. That's what it is. Skoden. So, okay. so apparently someone asked Patrick, and again, I don't know if this is, uh, this could be all, but Skoden meet to patches. It's Ojibwe for let's go then. So, but if you look at the look at Patrick's face, he's like, what in the hell are you? So, well, whoever I found think- that, all I can say is Shemigwich. <laughs> Which is, thank you. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> we did cultural awareness training. A- and my grandmother used to swear at me a lot in Ojibwa. So, there's that. See, in Korea, be a hey. So, anyway. Be something different. Yeah. yeah. No, I think he's just said, hey, how's your wife and my kids? But, you know, that's just me guessing. What do you think, Matt? What do you think he said? So I'm not even going to speculate on it. <laughs> not even going to speculate. All right, we're trying to have fun here. I'm, I'm still I'm still riding the high on a Grey's Anatomy reference. So 
Oh, and uh, is that from, uh, did that, did that pop into your head because you did that uh, Grey's Anatomy photo shoot for your OnlyFans? Yeah. So if you're watching Grey's Anatomy, do you watch Station 19 as well? Or is that? Uh... Station, Station 19, go to hell. <laughs> what about Reno 911? That was good. That was good every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone listening, I do not actually watch Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Oh, I think you do. (laughs) Habs Unfiltered just turned into Grey's Anatomy Unfiltered. (laughs) Talk about it on the next show. (laughs) Oh, there we go. (laughs) Promises, promises. All right. So I think that pretty much does it. Uh, game four is going to be tomorrow on the 20th, which is Father's Day. So I would like to say, I wish all the dads out there a happy Father's Day. Um, that's two thirds of the show are guaranteed, are proven fathers. The other third, the jury's out. Maybe there's a kid here or there. We're not sure of. Wait's full of them. Little mats running yeah. around. There, there's uh there's paternity tests for a couple of mats out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there might be one in Kuwait right about now. We don't know. They're, they're saying the f word everywhere they go. That's all they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> My newborn's first word was the f word. That's weird. Especially because they live in Kuwait and they don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I just want to wish all the dads out there a happy Father's Day. And if you happen to be a Montreal Canadiens fan, I think a great gift would be the Canadians to give you uh, another win. So, you know, game four in Montreal with a chance to go up 3-1 in a series. I say that's a great Father's Day weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Two wins, 3-1 in the series. I'm all for it. Forget breakfast in bed from the kids and gifts that I paid for. Give me that. (laughs) I'll give you a hint, kids. All dads really want is nobody around and beer. Breakfast in bed is beer. Just leave it up up the night on the nightstand. Just walk away. Matt's down to clown for beer. I know that. So, all right. So I think that does it for the show. Um, We will, uh, we'll clearly be discussing the next game at our next episode. So for everyone who listened, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, Remember to use our our promo codes unfiltered 20 at built bar for 10% off at East coast lifestyle for 20% off. And at seatgiant.ca, use unfiltered20 if you're buying tickets to anything, concerts, Montreal Canadiens games, you get 35% off your fees at purchase. And uh, remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Burger Arms. Burger Arms will get you the gains you need. Burger Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better characters so you can get the gains you need. Get Burger Arms, Burger Arms, Burger Arms today. Not a real product. They make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.